Welcome to Kimberly. <laughs> Welcome to Kimberly's Italy. Hey, you can't start. <laughs> I am starting because you just blew it. Okay. Buon pomeriggio tutti. I'm going to start actually with an Italian lesson. Instead of my normal introduction of, my name is Kimberly Holcomb, I'm going to say, I'm going to teach you guys something. Mi chiamo Kimberly Holcomb. That means my name. Mi chiamo Tommaso Fabuloso. <laughs> Bravo. Mi chiamo Kimberly e lui chiama Tommaso. And welcome back to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italiano. So before we get down the path of the episode, can I just say one thing? Certo. I listened to our last episode and that wonderful woman that you talked about that if you got hit by the Bologna bus. <laughs> the beautiful, the beautiful Italian woman. woman. Yes. yes. Well, you know, something. Did you find her? <laughs> no, I didn't. Not yet. Working on it. No, but I just want to say something. I heard you say, I can't rock a hat like that. Oh. I couldn't rock a hat. Like you rock hats. You look great in hats. Well, thank you. I, I don't have one on right now, you guys. I have on headphones, but thank you for you, the compliment. You do rock hats. I looked at some pictures of you and hats, and <laughs> yes, you do rock hats. I'm the hat lady. No, I'm still the church lady. <laughs> I'm still never, the church never lady. Never give up that. Never give up the church lady. <laughs> All righty. Before we start this episode, I just want to give a very big grazie mille to those that left us reviews on Apple Podcasts this week, Nightwish Century and Sandy927, who both expressed how much our episodes have helped them plan their trips. And O'Connor Johnson, who is currently living, quote unquote, vicariously through us until she makes her first visit to Italy. And Ellie397, who is counting down the days until she and her boyfriend take their trip to Italy. And she mentioned also that most of their trip they have planned with the help of our episodes. And I think those are the best compliments we can ask for. Grazie mille. <laughs> Bravo. All right. Can we start back where we left you off in Bologna at the train station? We were driven there by the taxi driver with whom Tommaso decided he had to talk about ragu. What else is there to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny ride, a funny conversation, I should say. So we arrived in Lucca at the train station, which is fortunately located right outside the city's wall on the south side. And our accommodations were on the north side. Yet, Lucca is so small, it was really easy to walk that distance. You can basically walk anywhere from the train station in Lucca within the city walls. And we had really small bags. I mean, we... Carry-on bags. We had carry-on bags. We traveled for oh, two and a half weeks during the holidays. Yes, we did. I think we mentioned that before. But, you know, we walked that whole distance of I the know. city of Lucca with our carry-on that has wheels. I and know, but if you were, if it's like some people we saw were like pulling three or four like yes, containers, container-sized bags. <laughs> well, the goal of any luggage with wheels for an Italian vacation is that your suitcase still has wheels at the end yes. when your trip is over. I looked a few times. 
crossing a few things. I right. Like, I, I actually picked up quite a bit because I thought <laughs> there's no way I'm going to make it up and down these stone steps and everything in Bologna, Luca, Lake Como. It's all stone. And you know what? Uh, both of our suitcases survived. Survived. They did well. They did. As I mentioned, we rented an apartment or it's more like a little mini palazzo, I'll say, that I found for clients last spring in Luca. And I looked again. I think I mentioned this before. I looked while we were planning this trip rather last minute and it was booked. And then one night I looked again just for the sake of it. And they must have had a cancellation. You so were very excited. We, I know. I ran upstairs. <laughs> we got it! Because we had decided to deliberately spend New Year's Eve in Luca. So I was so excited that we were going to be able to stay in this beautiful place. And so when we went that day, the owner and her son met us outside, which is so very nice of them, considering it's New Year's Day. People are, you know, have other plans, but they both met us. And this is the joy I get from befriending Italians all through the months and the years that I've had these email and WhatsApp relationships with them. And I try to meet as many of these people that I can when I'm in Italy. And this trip was luckily full of those. So I was very, very happy to meet her and her son. They showed us through this lovely little casa and just very casually pointed out that they left a bottle of champagne in the refrigerator for us, which was so Nice. My new best friends. Yes. And then, you know, we walked outside with them and had our chow chows. Buonanno, buonanno. You know, it was a really, really lovely effort on their part. And then Tommaso and I just put our stuff inside and we walked to one of my favorite trattorias called Gigi's. The owner, I've mentioned him before, Carmine or Carmine, he greeted us in his very enthusiastic, friendly, and very fast-speaking manner, correct? We're, yes, we're going to be posting. I took a video while he called our friend Conrad here. Oh, correct. Who was on our previous episodes on Luca, and they were good friends at the time when Conrad lived in Luca. And uh, I'm, we're going to post that on a real, probably a real. Okay, and then you'll you'll know what I, what I mean when I say he's a he fast talker. Fast, yes, he talks. <laughs> you don't get, you don't get what you... Conrad probably didn't get much in, except <laughs> C, C, certo, certo. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Anyway, so Carmine seated us, and we thought an Aperol spritz seemed appropriate. It was, it, was, it was a very nice day. It was beautiful. So let me describe the appetizer we both ordered at Gigi's, and I think it's their best dish, to be honest. All right, so envision this, this large pasta-type bowl, and at the bottom of it, is what I would describe as a mix of pesto and olive oil. It's like a pesto soup. The olive oil was just... Oh, so good. I wanted to take a bath. (laughs) And then on top of... That was at the base of the bowl. And on top of that was a tartare of San Marzano tomatoes, which are the best. They were finely chopped and shaped into this little mini like hamburger, little hockey puck type shape. And then on top of that was a ball of burrata cheese. And most likely not the type of burrata that you can buy at your local market market outside of Italy. No, no, really, really, not most likely. Absolutely, (laughs) definitely not. If you don't live in Italy, you probably have not had a burrata that is this good. We We might be able to get something close 
up in Providence on Federal Hill. Maybe at some point mm. we can try it in the summer. I'll try, but let's just stick with this appetizer. You're kind of ruining the whole <laughs> vibe for them right now. Okay. So what Sorry. I wanted to say was you have that pesto olive oil on the bottom, then the San Marzano tartare, then this ball of barata on top, and then you take your fork and you cut into that barata, you cut into that goodness, and it kind of just slowly drips out, and you finally get your fork so that it has a little bit of all three of these ingredients, and when that goes into your mouth, it's like happiness. Happiness in your mouth. All three of those flavors. It's such an amazing combination. It was like, Dio mio, just deliciousness from the get-go. Aren't you going to go to your go-to phrase on that? Da morire. So let me just step back for a second. <laughs> just previous episode, we talked about Alberto Oh, I Bologna. knew you were going to say this. And he said, the minute you said da morire, I knew you were in the fashion business. No, it wasn't that <laughs> funny. I just stared at him. I was like, what do you mean? And then even as I said that, I thought, oh, right. The silly, somewhat superficial fashion industry where everyone, you know, if you're in Armani showroom and the model comes out with this amazing outfit on, they're like, oh, <laughs> which means, oh my God, it's like to die for. Well, so yes, Barada I, is that. Sorry. Well, yeah, so I, I kind of have stopped saying da morire since Bologna, to be honest. <laughs> you just caught me. You you called me out. Anyway, so that was our appetizer. Just perfect. And then, of course, Tommaso had to have a ragu. And of course, yes, I did have a ragu. <laughs> what else is there for me to have? In this region. In this region. So I did. It was wonderful. It was outside. We had a lovely table outside under a tent with a heater, but an Aperol spritz. And after that burrata, I mean, it was it was actually da morire. It, it was da morire. <laughs> it was kind of hard to follow on after that first act. But yes, yes, you're right. But it was very, it was very, very good. And to be honest, Luca is also well. Luca's in Tuscany, but it's also the region like Emilia Romagna of where Bologna is, it's also very heavy on the meat. So I had limited choices and I think, I think I'm not exactly sure. I didn't take any pictures of it trying to be, you know, not so annoying. Um, I think I had a risotto with fungi because all the other pastas had some kind of meat basically. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we had a lovely, lovely lunch. When we left there, we thought, you know, Let's be a little proactive and purchase a few things at this little grocery store around the corner, knowing everything would be closed the next day on New Year's Day. And we walked into this teeny market and everyone else in all of Luca had the same idea. So we got the few things we needed. And while we waited in line, which, by the way, snaked its way through every teeny narrow little aisle of this little grocery store, we came upon the wine section. It and, was a very nice wine section. Yes, in a grocery store. And we were so excited to be standing there waiting, you know, for our turn in line, deciding which <laughs> Brunellos, plural. Plural, absolutely. <laughs> to buy. And the prices were great compared to America. So we bought two and we thought, you know, why not? We have two days here. It's New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Well, we had three, two and a half days. 
So we bought our goods, we dropped them back at the little casa, and we took off because, after all, this was Tommaso's first time in Luca, and I wanted to show him everything. And it was a lovely day. It was a lovely the day. The sun was kind of popping in and out. It was warm. Yep. Didn't even have our jackets on. So from there, we walked to the most well-known piazza. Well, that Luca is most well-known for, perhaps, besides its wall. It's called Piazza del Anfiteatro. And it's unique because of its shape, which is oval or actually more like an ellipse, to be exact. Due to the fact that just like Piazza Verona in in Rome, Tommaso, if you recall, mm-hmm. there was a Roman amphitheater under this space dating back to the first or second century. And they wisely, the Lucchese, as they're called, wisely kept the shape, made the piazza in that oval shape, honoring the history of this amphitheater, a Roman amphitheater. There are four gateway openings into this piazza, each one of them being exactly at the north, south, east, and west. And there's a cross carved into the central tile of the main piazza, indicating the gateway's perfectly aligned positions. However, I couldn't, or I actually forgot to show Tommaso that because there were so many um, stalls, like Christmas market. It was a Christmas market there, yes. In the middle of the piazza and a lot of, um, you know, kind of, not Santa Claus, but those kind of decorations for the children and whatnot. It was busy inside and we, I forgot to show it to you. But it's okay. The next time. I, I, I fully appreciated it from afar. And wasn't that funny? So here we were on New Year's Eve day, December 31st. And unlike Copenhagen, who took those Christmas markets down before December 24th, which is when they celebrate Christmas. Yes, but they still had a lot of Christmas decorations. Oh, on. yes. Remember, we had something at the Dongleter in Copenhagen. We, we went in for a... We had a, a... A gelato or an ice cream. We had a, no, a coffee, like a cappuccino. Oh, right, right. Very, right. very fine one. Yes, yes. And that place was um, decorated to the nines. In such a tasteful, beautiful way. That's a tasteful, beautiful hotel. It certainly is. It <laughs> certainly is. Anyway, we digress back to Denmark for a minute. Let's go back to Luca. So all of the buildings that line this Piazza Anfiteatro are in the same tones of yellow. A little bit of ochre, yellow primarily. And you only have three or four buildings. They're all connected to each other. They abut each other. So it's... It's like a circle, an oval of buildings. And there's only the spaces for those four gateways where you walk under the vaulted gateway. So if you wanted to buy an apartment, live in Piazza Anfiteatro, you have to play by the rules. Yellow, tan, or green, because they only seem to allow green shutters. And I stared at my video and my photos today to confirm this because I thought it's a little bit like Siena, which we haven't even really gone to yet but put it this way here's a good analogy it's like nantucket an right. island here in new england they have a town council that allows you two shades of off white and gray that's it right there's some blue in there but not much <laughs> right so uh luca tends to do the same thing and they're just trying to preserve the history and show you what it's looked like for all these years and in the case of luca thousands of years From there, we decided to start to walk the wall, which is basically the northernmost part of the wall. And we figured in our two days, two and a half days, we'll do the whole circumference. 
Basically, we only did half this first day. And there are several ways to enter the top of the wall and you can easily see them. They're just like walking ramps. You can see them once you get close enough to the wall or look on, zoom in on Google Maps. And these entries are called baluardos, B-A-L-U-A-R-D-O. A baluardo means basically like a bullmark or a bastion. How do you pronounce that? Bastion. Bastion. Even like a rampart. And they all mean the same thing. A wall made of earth or stone that was originally built for defense. So we entered on Baluardo San Frediano. And as we mentioned in our previous episodes of Luca, which are episodes number 13 and 15, Luca is only one of a handful of cities in Italy that is still surrounded by its original wall. And obviously, Tommaso, you were so impressed to say the least. And after all, you had never walked on a Renaissance wall. No, I haven't. And I was impressed by... As a student of history, and, and you know how much I read about the history of war and everything, it was just amazing to see the construction here and the fortifications and the idea that there was a moat outside of it. And I sort of, I tried to close my eyes and, you know, think about what it must have been like. It's, it's actually pretty easy to envision because when you're on the top of the wall and look outside, they have preserved all that where the moat was and it's all grass and it's massive and it surrounds the city. So I think it's kind of somewhat easy to envision. Well, it was easy to envision how vulnerable an attacker would be outside of that wall. Like, you know, if you were going to, someone said, go attack Luke, you'd be like, you know, I'm on vacation that week. (laughs) Well, the wall that we were on, as I just mentioned, is, was built in the Renaissance. There And it was the fourth set of walls. It's the last ones to remain. The first were started like BC because the Romans found Luca in like 180 BC, something like that. So this wall is not that old, just from 15 something. And one of the first buildings that we saw while we started walking on the wall, we looked back into the city and I was like, oh, there is Palazzo Fanner which has a funny spelling, P-F-A-N-N-E-R. And it is absolutely stunning, the rear view of it. It has beautiful gardens, especially for being inside the city itself. And it's also relatively new from 1667. But yet, what we saw out there from the wall, you felt like you were looking at something in Venice. Very, very Venetian looking because they have loggias and these freestanding life-size sculptures all through the gardens. It's really beautiful. And you can now visit inside. It obviously had been private, but they have art exhibitions and different kinds of exhibitions that they host. And you can even rent it for events and stay in it. So I was looking at their website today. If we go back, I'd like to, you know, have a party and stay in the Principe Federico suite. If, <laughs> if anyone wants to start a GoFundMe out there so we can rent it and all get together. Let's just have a Kimberly's Italy party yes. in Luca and yes. we'll rent it. Yes. Buon idea. <laughs> Good thinking, Tommaso. So anyway, back to the wall. We kept walking on it. And that's when I realized Luca had eat, or I should say we both realized because we're both dog lovers. We realized that Luca had even more dogs than Bologna. 
And we saw so many dogs in Bologna. Very stylish dogs, I will say, in Bologna. Urban dogs. Urban dogs. Yes, they were urban dogs with like urban jackets yes. and, and leashes on and stuff. And so you're correct. Luco's a little more low-key. A little bit more country. A little more, <laughs> a little more village life. <laughs> and the dogs on top of this wall, it was so fun to see. We were almost looking at the dogs as much as everything else it was like their social gathering spot it was like a weekend party of dogs and the owners of the dogs would see each other ciao come on blah 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 the dogs like hey haven't seen you since last saturday it was really really fun and so when we finally decided to get off it was about halfway around so we entered on or exited i should say on the southernmost part and then walked back north into piazza napoleone on the west side of this piazza is Palazzo Ducale, a very imposing and beautiful grand building that runs the entire length of that west side. And the piazza is framed on the opposing three sides by very mature sycamore trees. But since we were there on December 31st, Tommaso couldn't experience like that summer vibe. It's so different in the summer. These trees are so mature and so full and so beautiful. So that is basically what you see on the peripheral. And then the main building you look at is Palazzo Ducale. It is amazing. When you stand there, you look at this building and it it houses all the provincial office space. It's, you know, like... Pretty nice place to work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyway, it is so beautiful. So if or when, I should say, you are in Piazza Napoleone, stand there and look at the massive, beautiful building, Palazzo Ducale, and really take a look at these stones that frame the windows, all these different kind of pediments and design, and then the massive vaulted arches that lead you into the internal courtyard, which, by the way, you can enter. I don't know. I did anyway. <laughs> no, I the, came in with you. And there were, right? there were their place was, I mean, you know, people talk about small Cinquecentos in Italy. This place was filled with BMW right. 700s and government, 500s. Government building. But it is absolutely stunning. They have those vaulted archways that lead to all the different offices. It was just a beautiful municipal building that they let you walk around. And I'm very glad we did. Correct? Yes. And this was the place where they had all the music festivals, too, right outside oh, the Piazza Napoleone. Right. Correct. I failed to mention that. We did mention that in right. previous episodes. However, that piazza, imagine that in the warm months with the leaves on those sycamore trees. And that is your view, Palazzo Ducale. It is awesome. Well, I think I saw a rock star there when we walked in to get a gelato. And there was someone sitting there. I won't mention his name, but I <laughs> keep his identity private. No, but I looked at him and you, his partner was there and looked at me like you recognized him. Right. So and, I didn't say anything. So I didn't say anything. I just, you know, walked in. But, you know, well, and anyway, he was probably there checking it out. Or has already played there and enjoyed it, yeah, so, enjoyed much, it so much. Yeah. He thought, let's go back for New Year's Eve. Yep. Probably the case. From there, we just kept meandering, walking on these little streets, and we even had a cappuccino late in the day, which was totally against the law, I know, but why not? We sat down at this outdoor little cafe. It was just beautiful. But they're used to it now. That's yes, what Barista told you. 
Yes, they are. I know. I I actually when we ordered and you, you, you know, apologize. I apologized. And he looked at me and goes, Call me my why? I go, <laughs> because I know we're not supposed to. He goes, Every single tourist does it. I was like, Okay, so we're tourists. <laughs> yeah, he was cool. And then after our little cappuccino, we finally came upon Piazza San Michele, which has the basilica appropriately named San Michele in Foro, and it is from 1100. So I was so excited to show it to Tommaso. It has a very impressive bell tower to the side. It's from 1100, and it has this incredibly ornate, but in a cool way, beautiful exterior. And yet I have to admit that this is one of those types of churches where I am so in awe of the exterior and the design. And then I get so excited to go inside. And then sometimes it's like, (laughs) I got disappointed because it was just not what I expected. It was very blah or bland or, you know, maybe they didn't have the same budget when they got to the inside, whatever. So I came right back out and I was like, not even going to bother telling you. I barely get time to set up with my back to a wall to people watch for five or 10 minutes, which I love to do. And if Kim goes into a building, a, a church, and she's gone for, you know, she if she comes out in two seconds like she did this time, I know, like, oh, God, this is really disappointing. Because if she waves, she knows she's it's got to be majestic for, to, for her to call me in. And this one, she was out in two minutes shaking her head. I barely get a chance to... Watch people. (laughs) You had plenty of time the next day. Yes. That's funny. However, don't let my chat about Basilica San Michele in Foro sway you because for you fellow church lovers out there like me, there are so many churches within the walls of Luca. And one of them is about my all-time favorites, to be honest. I'll get into that in the next episode, though. Okay. However, I will say Today, I put a little reel up of a video from the interior of the vaulted ceiling of the Basilica, the Duomo San Martino. So check that out, and we'll get into that next week for you church lovers. Anyway, fellow (laughs) fellow church ladies, I think we'll finish here by telling you how we ended our New Year's Eve. As we mentioned, we deliberately chose to spend New Year's Eve in Luca because We wanted to be in somewhere old and beautiful, a small village, and just be able to walk and walk without crowds of larger cities. Like As much as we love Rome, we're like, no, let's do something a little more tranquilo. And we did. After, you know, looking at this church and everything else we did, we just kept walking. And then one of us, or maybe both of us, remembered that there was that bottle of champagne in our little casa. Mm-hmm. And one of us finally mentioned it. And we're, with that, we're like, let's go. <laughs> so we went back. It was, you know, six, seven o'clock that night. We slowly enjoyed the champagne. And eventually, Tommaso went into the little cucina, the kitchen. It took all the restraint and self-control I had not to run back, <laughs> pop that champagne, and just reach in the refrigerator and lay out the prosciutto and the brasala. He did wait a bit. We had slowly drank our champagne and then he got it out. And the big chunk for of me, yes. for me, I had this very, well, not just for me, but a large piece of Parmigiano that we bought in Bologna. And can I say that the combination of champagne and Parmigiano is a 
very good one. I had never just had champagne and Parmigiano together. And I think it's a very good duo. Oh, yeah. It was delicious. It was beautiful. So we had a really nice time with that and just looking around in this beautiful old little type palazzo we were in. And then we thought, well, it is New Year's Eve. Let's do one last walkabout. So we walked under the Torre Guinigi, which I've described before and we'll mention again next week. And it was beautifully lit for the holidays. And all these little sidewalks with these thin, thin, kind of delicate white lights that they now string above where you walk. When I lived in Italy, they did the opposite and they strung them from building to building, like perpendicular to the little streets and the sidewalks. And now it's as if you just follow them and they are kind of leading you to the next little idyllic street with the same little lights. It was really... I've used the word many times on this show, magical. Yes, it was. And it was basically just us, the random couple walking by. And what we like, like to do. Buonanno, buon capodanno. <laughs> exactly. And we just kept walking and walking. We could hear some partiers in the far away piazzas, but our little area was more remote. And it was just tranquilo in the best way possible. Don't you think? I do. And if anyone wants to go next New Year's, that's good spot to go for New Year's if you're going to be in Italy over the holidays. And then we went back and we opened a bottle of that Brunello and toasted 2023. I will say it was the perfect way for us this New Year's Eve, but who knows? I don't know. Next year we might be in Palermo for New Year's Eve partying like White Lotus style. No, I don't. That's just, <laughs> I've never seen that. I'm kidding. Next week's episode, we'll finish our day in Luca, And then I want to share with you a summary of our train experiences. Because as I mentioned before, we deliberately wanted to take trains everywhere on this trip because I have so many clients that choose to take the train as opposed to renting a car or hiring a driver. And since I don't take the trains that often, I thought... I need to re-familiarize myself and probably make a few mistakes, which I made one. And I will share everything that we did learn. And there is actually a lot you have to pay attention to, to make your ride smooth and not, you know, end up in the wrong place. And you did a very good job, except for that one I time did, coming from Switzerland. Yes, yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. And it's cute because, you know, you were helping out and you'd say, oh, Binario, which means track, platform, 17. I was like, Tommaso, you're looking at the arrivals and we're departing. (laughs) You know, like you have to know those two words in Italian. Arrivi and partenza. So anyway, we will... Thanks for pointing that out. It was a a cute learning lesson. I'll never get hired for another navigation gig in sailing again. (laughs) Well, not in Italy. Not in Italy. (laughs) On a train. Anyway, we will share all this with you next week week's episode. So, thank you very much. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.